I hope you guys have all had an amazing week. Uh, my, my past couple weeks have been kind of interesting, to say the least. I won't dive into it, but I was having some struggle and some problems. I was laid up for a couple weeks. Um, just trying to really just rest, uh, <laughs> because that's what the doctor told me I needed to do. So that's what I did. Um, but I'm excited to be able to be back. You guys have been blessed by Pastor Boss and Pastor AJ the last couple weeks, as you will continue to be in the forecoming months, um, as we continue to see those two, uh, bring the, bring the word of God and bless you and bless your socks off. And so I'm excited for that, but let's dive into it today. Today, I'm going to be talking through the, uh, scripture verse, well, scripture verses, Philippians in Philippians 10, or Philippians 4, 10 through 14. Uh, taking the background probably was just like, what? I don't have that scripture. <laughs> Philippians 4, 10 through 14. That's going to be the scripture verses. I like to use the CSB these days. Um, it is a very good literal uh, version as well as uh, interpretive. Um, and so it gives you a good balance between being able to understand it as well as it staying true to the text. Uh, as really is important for me in my journey as I walk with Jesus to be able to have both those things because you can make it more accurate and it could sound very jumbled because it doesn't translate well over to English or you can make it flow and get the thought across, um, which makes it a little bit easier to understand. So we're going to be in the CSB today. And so chapter 10 or chapter four, verse 10 says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again, you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but I lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't, say the out, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. So today's message is, is being titled, The Secret Level of Happiness. The Secret Level of Happiness. And we're going to dive deep into Philippians 4 and just kind of see what, what, what all that means. But to get there, I think we need to define a couple things and understand a couple things a little better. One of those things is happiness, right? Like, what is happiness? If you just went to a stranger on the street and you said, yo, bro, like, what, what is happiness? They might be like, well, happiness is a cold cup of coffee and a brisk morning. I don't know. They might say it's a, it's a chill day at the beach. Uh, often it depends on who you ask, right? Like people love using imagery though when asked this question. It's like very, 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 very rarely defined as like a simple sentence of like, what is happiness? Oh, happiness is being content in life. Like normally it's like happiness. Oh, it's this, this grandeur thing. And so if you asked my wife, like what happiness would be, she would say a, a warm cup of coffee in her hand in a cozy cabin in the woods by her fireplace with the crackling fire in the background and in flannel pajamas, you know? So all of her love language, coffee, warm, and, and, and alone <laughs> in seclusion. And so that's all her love languages, being able to, to have those things. Like, that's what happiness is to her. If you asked me a few years ago, it'd be the complete opposite. I mean, literally as opposite as you could get. I want to be in a room full of people. I want to be having tons of food, chaos. I want to be having games. I want to be like, 
That is my happiness. If you asked me, that's what I would have said. It's having family around and playing games. And if you ask the child, or even most adults these days, they might give you the imagery of Disney. They might say, Disney World, it is the happiest place on earth. Like, what do you mean? Disney World, it equates to happiness. And I get your sentiment and I understand. And I might agree in some senses. And so we all have a different way that we look to be at happiness, but all of it is drawn out of ourselves and of our experiences, out of what we love. But that's not necessarily what happiness is. Happiness is not a fulfillment of your preference. Happiness is not a fulfillment of what you love. Interesting enough, it's a lot of things, but it's not those things. What I've learned now, though that used to be the image of what I would tell you happiness is, what I've learned now is that happiness isn't just a feeling and it just doesn't have to come and go like the wind. It doesn't have to be fleeting. It's not a, a Disney trip. It's not a, a stay in the cozy cabin in the woods. It's not a room full of people where we're partying and having good food. It doesn't have to be fleeting. It can be a constant state. Even though staying there might be difficult. See, that doesn't mean you can't have any sadness. Though I do think that those are opposite terms, are, are not opposite terms. I don't think the opposite of happiness is sadness. I think the opposite of happiness is dissatisfaction or being dissatisfied. Sadness can come, I think, even in spots of happiness. See, the world would define the word, word happiness or we'll say content, because that's the, the, the scripture verse. It uses the word content, which I would make a play to say that content does mean happy. But content literally means in a state of peaceful happiness. In a state of peaceful happiness. I don't think often when we think contentment, we think that way. I don't think we think of it being a state of happiness. I think we think of a lot of things when we think content, but that's not the, the main thing we think of. See, in the Old Testament, to be content is generally associated with moderation. It's a sense of God's guidance and readiness for obedience. This interpretation, you can easily see it within Leviticus. You see the, the, two, the two guys who, who bring the strange fire before Jesus and are not before Jesus in the time, but Jesus, because he's God, but before God and they're killed. It was a, a, an understanding that they were not living in content. They were living outside of that. They wanted something produced. They were not satisfied where they were. So they were going to do what they needed to do in order to make things happen. They weren't content. And so you can see that that's what the Old Testament means when it talks about contentment. But see, in the New Testament, and specifically in the word content, when it's talking in Philippians 4, it's talking about the word autarkase. Autarkase means sufficient for oneself, strong enough or processing enough to need no aid or support. So in this definition, in the way that the Bible is using this definition, which is an ancient Greek work that's seen in a lot of different pieces of work, especially from ancient philosophers, it's the idea that I just have to rely on me. If I aid myself, if I pay attention to myself enough, if I look inward, I can build myself up to be content. 
but that's not how Paul is tending the word to be used because he counteracts that definition with a very, very simple phrase. When he says, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. He counteracts the entire idea of what content means by just bringing you into the journey of what it looks like to be reliant on God. So he's disrupting a, a very important belief system here. It's a Greek belief system. It's, it's, it's the, the, the foundation of Stoicism. I work on the God within and I embrace and I become better. Like, and in Christianity, it's complete opposite. We believe that as we give up, as we rely on God, as we surrender, as we, we lean onto him, then we are made strong which is complete opposite belief. And so this was a challenge to a belief system that he was challenging in the Philippian church, but also in the surrounding areas and something that they could have taken with them and had a challenge to the common thought. But content there is still interesting. He's saying you can have these things. You can have sufficiency. You can be strong enough. You can have enough processing to, if you learn how to be aided by God to be supported by God, to rely on his strength and not your own. And that's where we need to flip. Because in our culture today, and even in the cultures around the world, there is a process right now that is being, or a system that is being pushed on you to say, if you strengthen yourself, if you get strong enough, you can deal with the weight of the world. You can have happiness if you try hard enough. And I can promise you that leads to depression. Because the more that we look in, the more that we take the outward focus and our ability to focus on God and we focus inwards, we tread down a, a, a failed path, down a path that will have a drop-off because you are not strong enough. You do not have enough in you to satisfy all of which you need because it can only be found in one. And that is Jesus. See, we've lost the secret of happiness in the hype of what others are doing and have in focusing in rather than up or out. I'm going to say that one more time. We've lost the secret of happiness. We've lost the secret level of happiness in the hype of what others are doing and have focusing in rather than up and out. When I say focusing up and out, I'm talking to you about focusing on the love of God, loving God, and loving others. Cyclic. You do those two things well, and everything else is added to it. The love of yourself. It's an opposite belief that your perspective has to change. It cannot be looking in and hoping the other two are accomplished, right? You have to do these two things and then this is accomplished. I love social media. I absolutely love it. A lot of people hate social media. Me and Pastor Boss were talking about this the other day. Pastor Boss hates social media, which is absolutely, I would say, most of my friends' beliefs at this time. I love social media. I love being able to get involved in, in people's lives. 
And I don't mean like nosily. I mean like so I can see what's going on, right? Like I can see, you know, you're taking your family to the zoo. I'm like, damn, that's hype. I need to take my family to the zoo. Or I need like, you know, I see you taking your, your, your wife on a date. Like, man, I got to take my wife on a date. She's been saying amen in the chat. Watch this. Uh, <laughs> and so like there's things like that that spur us forward, right? Like it can be an amazing at helping people, uh, helping us to get resourced with information or keeping people caught up to what's going on in others' lives, right? I have a lot of friends and so, you know, not a, a lot of them are intimate, close friends, but I would say in the peripherals, I get to see what's going on in their lives and we can have conversation. I can send them a message if they're going through something hard or whatever it is, it can be a great tool. And I can see what's going on in other people's lives. I have a friend right now, I mean, just a couple months ago, I got to go with him in a social media journey, I guess, uh, on a pregnancy journey. Like I got to, I got to like go and, and really like feel like, you know, I was on this journey with him and I didn't even know I wanted to be a part of this journey. <laughs> I mean, I knew more about this baby than the grandparents probably did. And she wasn't even born yet. I mean, social media is wild. And you, you might have some friends that like overshare on social media. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, like I knew every step of this baby's journey. If they would have asked me to watch, I could have done everything right. I mean, I probably knew the baby's temperature they wanted the bottle at. Social media is wild. You can get really involved in other people's lives. It can consume you. But it can also be helpful, right? And when there's a post on social media for maybe that same baby that says, uh, we need prayer, you know, we're having a struggle in the, you know, through the birthing of, 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 the, of, of, of our daughter, um, her heart's not, it. can you pray? I've been there, I, I know her name, I can pray for her for sure. That's a great resource. But see, there's another part of that, that social media journey that people talk about in whispers. And it's that highlight real life. It's us just seeing the greatest moments in someone's highlight reel. I've seen people literally like tune their Instagram to be perfection. You know, it has every different thought process and they've put it through all these funnels and it, it looks so perfect to make their lives look perfect. And for me, comparison wasn't really ever a problem. I didn't ever say like, I want to be this person. But then like, as I got into my 20s, I started seeing like my friends get these crazy opportunities after college. And in my head, I'm, I'm like painting these pictures of them like sipping lattes <laughs> overlooking the Eiffel Tower in Paris, you know? Or I'm seeing them do these great adventures and I'm just like, I, and, and the image is like me sitting in a, in, a, in a church sanctuary auditorium stacking chairs. I'm like, Lord, why, why can't that be me? And the more that stuff consumed me, I began to walk down a pretty dark road I didn't even realize I was on. I don't know if I just began to really realize an extreme lack within myself. Like in my 20-somethings, all of a sudden, I had that like baby self-awareness idea. Like, oh, you're my mom. Like, you know what I mean? When babies come self-aware and they can tell things are happening, they know you're not leaving forever when you walk out of the room. I feel like I had that moment in my life, within my pastoral life, within my Christian life, where I just had a real realize of like, TJ, you're not as great as you think you are. 
I felt completely under-equipped in it. Like it says in Isaiah 64, I, I literally started to see those filthy rags in my life. Where it says all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. And I started to really see them and how dirty they were and, and how unequipped I was. And how I wasn't, I wasn't where I wanted to be. And I, I wasn't where I wanted Jesus to be in my heart. Like I wasn't on the right step in my journey. And it felt like for the first time, I was standing there and I was realizing my filth. And I was like Adam, that I, I had all the knowledge now of my nakedness. I could see myself for truly who I was. And I, I wasn't satisfied with who I was. And there was two parts to that that were so extreme. One was this good realization that I need to grow deeper in my relationship with Jesus. I need more of him. And the other was this very, very, very dark, anxiety-ridden thing that I started walking down the road of, well, maybe I can fix myself. Maybe I just become better. Maybe I become more passionate when I speak. Maybe I become more, uh, uh, you know, uh, inauthentic and I, and, I, and I could just create a persona or I do this or that. And maybe I talk this way and maybe I'll... And it all became about me. And so there was two dichotomies that was drawn for this comparison reality. I stopped focusing on him and I started focusing on me, my lack, my need to grow, my own success. And what I've learned through my journey is that contentment's kryptonite is comparison. I want you to hear that chat. Contentment's kryptonite is comparison. When you're comparing yourself to others, when you are trying to live up to someone else's call, when you're trying to live up to someone else's purpose, you will never be content because you'll be dissatisfied because you'll never reach the level to which they're going. You'll never be that person. You're you. And whatever beautiful picture that God has created for you and in you and through you will never come to realization. And because you've taken the creator's paintbrush and started painting on a different canvas, you will always feel the lack of this incompleted picture that he had for you. You'll live and dissatisfaction. For years, I fought an, an unseen war within me. Anytime I was invited to speak somewhere or teach, the bigger the audience, the venue, the level of leadership, the greater the anxiety. I would just want to curl up in a ball if I was asked to do something that I felt like I just, oh no, it's going to be a lot like, and it, it would just spiral. The harder I had to try that meant, and I mean, eventually all I wanted to do was just say no, because my cup had been empty for so long that I had been, had nothing left to give. I had nothing left to give at least that was worth giving. The truth of the matter is I do think you can succeed on your own, but I think that that's that path or that cliff falls off. And you might head down a path where you find success in yourself. It might be possible for, to, for you to succeed on your own. But I think that's the path that leads to lowness, to depression, 
to anxiety. Contentment's kryptonite is comparison. See, I think contentment as a whole, in and of itself, I think it's about surrounding yourself with God's content. Contentment is about surrounding yourself in God's content. Because when you have built a life around something and someone that breeds purpose into your soul, your very creator who understands you intricately, there is a life that will be breathed into you that nothing else in this world can offer. And the outflow is being content. It's being happy. See, when the sum of what you are consuming is God's love and character, the fruit of the Spirit, the outflow is being content. It's happiness. I believe one of the greatest weapons to be used against a Christian walking out their faith, faith is to disrupt their contentment. One of the greatest weapons against you is for the enemy to disrupt your contentment. Because what you do when you're not content, when you're not content in a situation, what do you do? You go searching. And all of a sudden, God's not enough. Because you've been playing the Christian game wrong. And so God's not enough. It's his fault. You know what I mean? It's everybody else. It's the church's fault. It's the church people's fault. Like, because you started to allow the devil to move in on your game. You go searching and you're trying whatever you can, whatever necessary means you can find to fill that hole that you're missing in contentment. See, the flesh knows and the enemy knows to get what they want, they have to start creating cracks. They have to start creating fissures between you and God. Separation between you and him. And if the devil or your flesh can effectively do that, they win. Because he's the only one that brings true contentment. See, contentment is attending to the cracks. A key point in contentment is attending to the cracks. Because they will come. I can promise you. I don't care who you are. I don't care how good your life is. Cracks will come your way. Where your flesh and the devil try to separate you and God. And it starts with small little things that end up fissuring and fissuring and fissuring and becoming wider and wider. And they come in so many shapes and sizes. Those cracks can be so many things. Oh, it's fine not to pray today, man. You're fellowshipping with your boys on Ka. You don't need to pray. You're doing another God cool thing. You can read your Bible, man. You need rest today. You've worked such a hard week, man. You don't need that 10, 15 minutes with God. You'll be there tomorrow. You deserve some rest. The greatest rest you can find is in Him. Those cracks start and they spread and they widen. I want you to think of this way. In any competitive game, 
whatever competitive game you could think of, whatever you might watch professionally, esports-wise, sports-wise, or really, it all, it all makes sense. But let's say Valorant, for example. What's the greatest way to lose in Valorant? For all the low elo players, they'd be like, not hitting my shots. <laughs> no, it's important. It's important you have your mechanics down. But no, it's not missing your shots, your headshots specifically. But that's pretty important. No, it's not your positioning, but that's also very, very important. The greatest way to throw away not just a round, but your entire game is to start blaming your teammates, making rude comments, feeding into tilt. In every competitive game, if you start to feed into tilt, you, you, your, your chances of winning drastically lower. So it begins with tilting or tilting your teammates. Because in the moment you are creating division and separation and the more than all of the skills in the world your team may need or have, you need them. You need to be able to rely on them to watch certain angles, to use their abilities to blind or weaken your opponents. You need their callouts and the information they can provide. But if you put them on tilt, they don't want to do those things for you. They might actually use their abilities to hinder you. They might stop talking. Stop making calls. Stop pinging. Maybe stop ganking your lane in league. Or think of it this way. If two or more people are, expect, are, are, are um, incriminated of committing a crime... They, they don't place them in the same room, right? They separate them. Because through separation, they can't collaborate. They do that for a reason. And it's so that those, those people that maybe committed the crime or are expected of committing the crime, they can't talk and get their, their, their stories straight. They pull them apart because they can't draw strength from each other. Well, in your case, the devil is the interrogator and his deepest wish is that the things don't go as planned and that when you're being accused or when you lack, that you have no desire, no reflex, no habit that points you back to Jesus. And you can put Jesus in both of those circumstances. If de the devil's the interrogator, of course he wants you separate from Jesus. If the devil's the enemy team in, in Valorant, of course he wants your team tilting. He might even try to cause it by killing the same guy over and over because he keeps making the same mistake. The wider the gap, the, biggest the, the bigger the separation, the better. And that's how the devil interprets your relationship with Jesus. The more he can slime his way in there, the bigger the cracks. When your darkest days come, there is no worse place for you to be than blind to the fact that Jesus is extending his hand. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. If you begin to allow there to be separation, if you don't take time to attend to those cracks, to mend those things, to be called back to a place of repentance, humbleness, humility, righteousness. 
then you will miss out on the strength of God. And you will end up relying on your own strength. And I've already talked to you about what that path looks like. There's no way for him to strengthen you, to collaborate with you, to make the call outs for you. If you've allowed separation. See, the first steps in this journey of contentment, it's surrendering to his lordship. It is releasing control to a hand that is better suited for it. You might be here and it might be your first time you've ever stepped foot into any kind of church service. And it's not by accident. And maybe you're hearing the things I'm saying and you're like, man, I have spent a long time relying on me. I've spent a long time doing exactly what you just said, Daylight. Walking down that path, trying to do it myself. And every single time I get to the end of the road, it's always the same. It's never enough and I'm always looking for more. And I end up in the same place I've ended a million times. Today, you have the opportunity to restart. And there's a secret level. There really is. There's a secret level that's even more secret maybe than, than the happiness level. And it's not much of a secret because I want to tell you about it. And it's starting a relationship with the one who cares for you more than any sister, brother, mother, or father ever could. It's starting a relationship with the Lord of Lords, your creator, the King of Kings, Jesus. And you might be sitting here thinking, I don't know about that, man. Like, I've, I've seen what Christians do. I, I've heard about, about you guys. You don't have to give me a chance. You don't have to give anybody in this chat a chance. You don't have to give anybody a chance. I'm asking for you to give him a shot in your life. So if you're here today and that's you, and you're like, Daylight, I need this. I need this in my life. I hear what you're saying and I need something more. Then I'm gonna ask you from the bottom of my heart to take your first step on that journey today. And if that's you, would you just repeat this prayer after me? Not because my prayers mean anything more than yours, but because I have the words to speak. So we're gonna walk through this prayer today and everybody in chat, I would love for you to walk through this prayer with us. And I'm just gonna pray something and I'm gonna have you pray it after me. And as we go through this, what you're doing is you're taking a step to say, Lord, I need a savior and I need a Lord. Jesus, I need a savior and I need a Lord. And it's as simple as putting your faith in him. The journey's not gonna be easy. I'm not gonna lie to you and say it's all sunshine and rainbows because it's not. This is real life and real life is difficult. Let's pray. Jesus, I love you. Lord, I pray you'd forgive me of my sins. 
Jesus, today I put my faith in you. I accept you as Lord and Savior. Would you guide me today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. He loves you and he sees you. If you made that choice today, I would love for you to get connected. You might not know what that next step looks like in your, in your walk with Christ and in the, in the journey of Christendom, and I understand that, trust me. I really get it. But we have people here who can help you, you know? We'll call them Sherpas. And they can Sherpa you through your D2 raids, you know? <laughs> but we can help Sherpa you through your walk with Jesus. And that's our greatest desire. We really don't want anything from you. We want everything for you. I'm able to do all things through him who gives me strength. A secret level of happiness. For everybody here that calls themselves a Christian, I have a challenge for you. I have a challenge that you would evaluate yourself. We do this thing within uh, our organization and the different organization I work with where we do a self-evaluation to be able to see if, you know, we're doing what we need to be doing well. And I think it's good for your soul to do these. So the first thing I would ask you to ask yourself is under the understanding that contentment's kryptonite is comparison. Ask yourself the question, are you comparing yourself? If you're comparing yourself to others, what does that look like in your life? The second question would be, in the context of contentment is about surrounding yourself in God's content. Is God the forefront content you're consuming in your life? Is it more important than everything else? Because the gospel is pretty clear. He tells you to forsake your brother and your mother. And he's not saying that to abandon them. He's saying that I am more important. Your relationship with me matters the most. So is he at the forefront of your life? And if not, what steps do you need to take to get there? And lastly, in this evaluation, what I would say is, in the understanding of contentment is attending to the cracks. What are you doing to mend the cracks in your life? What are you doing to mend the places that you've started relying on yourself and less on God, pushing him farther away? And if you're not doing those things, if you're not attending to the cracks, what can you do to start? The answer is simple. Get plugged into a community of people that will hold you accountable. Begin to dissipate the things that you are putting as a priority over God. The Christian walk is simple and complicated at the same time. The world would tell you that happiness is built on looking within. And I'm telling you that happiness is built instead on Him. We need to be focused 
on and draw near to Jesus. Because when we fail, which we will, unlike us, he will never leave us. Happiness. The secret's Jesus. It's more of him. My prayer for you is this. It's verse 11. That you wouldn't have anything, you would have, you wouldn't have to say anything out of need. For you have learned to be content in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. And as always, if no one's told you they love you today, I love you with my whole heart. Hey, if you made that decision today, if somebody could do me a favor, it was typed in earlier, but if you made that decision today, if exclamation point next level could be put in the chat, because listen, it is a decision you are never going to regret. And as Pastor TJ was explaining, we want to help you on that new journey. It's a brand new journey. It's not the end of something, but the beginning of something brand new in your life. We want to be able to help you on that journey. So click on that link and it will send you to a form that we ask you to fill out. The reason why is because we want to be able to be there for you. You might have some questions that you don't understand. You don't know maybe where to start reading the Bible. Maybe you don't know how to pray. You don't understand water baptism. We want to be able to answer those questions and any other questions that you do have. So please fill out that form if you made that decision to follow Jesus Christ for the first time today. We would love to be able to connect with you. We're not going to spam you or anything. We just want to have a one-on-one conversation with you or even through texting. We just want to be able to answer any questions that you might have as so as you continue to grow in this new journey. But guys, we're going to go into a time of giving right now, into a time of giving and offering. And uh, I want you guys to know, hey, if this is your first time here at God Squad Church, we do not expect anything from you. We want you to be able to receive we don't need you to give if you feel it on your heart that god is telling you to give and you want to support us that's absolutely okay but i want you to know if this is your first time here we we don't expect anything from you but hey listen giving an offering it's a time of it's actually a form of faith it's a form of worship that we have and the reason why is because a lot of times when we're giving of our finances it can be really 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 difficult to be able to give because it's something that as humans we need finances we need money but god he he asks us he says trust in me trust that i'm going to continue to provide for you and so as we give to him it's a form of worship because it's it includes a lot of faith to be able to give to God. And so I I want to thank you guys for your faithfulness and generosity because what you guys give allows us to continue to do everything that we do here at God Squad Church. Every life that has changed, every marriage that is that is being saved, it's because of your your faithfulness and your generosity. We're going to watch a video a video in just a second that gives multiple safe and secure ways that you can give to God Squad Church. Um, but I like I said, I just want to tell you guys uh, through this you guys are changing lives as uh, like I said, I can't I can't say this enough. It's a form of worship. God wants us to give with a heart of of uh, He wants to give us with a heart of happiness. He do, He doesn't want us to be just be grudgingly holding on to our finances and 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 try may, maybe this will do something, but expecting that God is going to do something big. So thank you once again for your faithful, faithfulness and generosity, and God bless you as you give. Here at God's Watch Church, there are multiple safe and secure ways for you to give. You can give by clicking on the panel below to give a one-time or monthly donation via card or PayPal. You can also go to our website, godsquadchurch.com give and set up a one-time or monthly donation of any amount. 
Lastly, you can text any amount to the number 84321 to set up a quick and easy way to give. Because of you, we are able to share the gospel with gamers around the world. No matter what amount you're giving, thank you for your generosity.